If you do a good enough job, people will ask questions. And if people aren't asking questions, then reflect on yourself. Like if it's so good, it's so life-changing, it's so important, it's so everything. It's like, okay, if it is, then you should exude that. I should see you and go, what do you got that I don't have? And I want some of that. And I'm going to ask you. And if I don't, that's a reflection on yourself that you ain't walking the walk. What's going on, friends? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Dieting from the Inside Out. Welcome to the show. If you're new here, my name is Jared Hamilton, and I am your host every single week. Now, today is a really cool episode. I have a very special guest. I have coming on here, Adam Schaefer from Mind Pump. So uh, I got a lot of great feedback from uh, from the, the Mind Pump episode I did with Sal, with Sal DeFastano when he was on here. A lot of you guys really, really resonated with that. Um, but I wanted to have Sal or Mind Pump's other host on here, um, Adam Schaefer. Adam is a ball of energy, a wealth of knowledge, and just an amazing human. Um, and we had a great conversation. Uh, in this episode, we got into a lot. Uh, the conversation went all over the place, to be honest. Um, we got into talking about how to how to set the example when it comes to health, food, nutrition, and your headspace around this stuff for your kids, because Adam's a father, and I wanted to d- dig into that because I know um, I know a lot of you guys struggle with like, where's that balance with your own kids? Like, I don't want them being scared of food or, or obsessed with, about dieting, but I also don't want them growing up to be unhealthy and overweight and things like that. So we talked about that. We talked about um, Adam's background and what how how he got to where he is and how their show grew and how it got to where it's at now. And then um, we also talked about how to basically what I would label if I had to put it simply how to never struggle with this stuff, how to become educated around the right way to do things and the best way to go about this stuff for your goals, how to not have to be stuck to like what we would call like a camp of like the key, like, like a, a group of like, well, I can only train this way or I can only eat this way or I can only conduct myself this way, like how to be completely, uh, how to put, how to be completely like in of one for yourself with all of this stuff. So you don't have to be stuck in, in these crazy like camps of training nutrition or methodology or whatever. And then, uh, we got into a whole bunch of stuff, like all this kind of stuff. It went all over the place, but it was so good. Um, I think, especially if you're coming from a place of like struggling, really having a hard time losing weight, keeping it off and feeling trapped by everything. I think this will be a really cool episode. Excuse me. Um, so yeah, that, you, you'll enjoy this. Be sure and stick around for the whole thing. Uh, before we get into it, big thank you to the sponsors of the show. Sponsor number one is Flex Pro Meals because we need convenience more than anything. To be honest, that's that's one of the biggest issues a lot of people have with reaching their goals is because a lot of the times the methodologies aren't convenient or you live a very not so chill life, or you're always in drive-thrus, or you're always taking kids to soccer practice or work meetings running over overtime, school, um, household stuff. Like it's just unpredictability, uh, travel, like the whole nine yards. Well, if that's your life, it's just not practical to think things are going to stay chill all the time. So we need to plan for when things are a little crazy. And for me, that's, uh, cause my life is the same thing just without kids. Um, but that's where flex pro meal flex pro meals really come in handy for me. I always have them in my fridge where they're just on deck and ready to go. That way, whether we forget to make food or we're behind on making food or be honest, we just don't want the food we made. Um, or like for me, I I'll be just getting out and about leaving or I'll um, need to take them traveling with me or whatever the case is. It makes it so convenient to have amazing tasting food that is calorie and protein friendly. That's made by a chef that keeps me out of drive throughs. Um, 
And that's, that's just going to help me go towards my goals. And that's why, that's why I'm using my, my life as a, as a, as a kind of an analogy for this, because it can be the same thing for you. Uh, we work with a lot of busy, per, busy people all the time. And that's one of the biggest issues. It's like, man, I've got kids. I've got this, I've got that. I'm always in drive-thrus. I'm always stopping in the gas stations. Well, like let's put something in place that's going to help you and save you more money. Cause with, especially after my discount flex pro is even is cheaper than going through any drive-through. So definitely want to check them out. Flexpromeals.com. Com, or there's a link in the description. But if you use my code Hamilton trained, it'll save you an additional 20% at checkout. Um, just making your life around nutrition way easier and taste really good. Um, next sponsor of the show is first form I have on if you're watching the YouTube subtle plug. Um, I'm wearing my first form Christmas shirt. Um, my all my friends make fun of me because I wear Christmas clothes like all year round, but I think we all need a little more jolly. Um, but uh, big thank you to first form. You guys know that supplements are not the end all be all they are not the I don't I'm, I'm not a fan of people over glorify supplements. They are exactly what they are, what they are meant to be with like why their name is a supplement. Cause they are meant to be supplemental. They are not meant to be the best meal of the day, or they're not meant to be the overarching theme of whatever. I always hate it when people predicate all their success around the, or, or even a program around a group of supplements. Supplements are to only fill the gaps that you are missing with food. If you are hitting all of your, your, your markers with food, more power to you and you don't need them. But the reality is most people don't, aren't doing that. Most people aren't getting in enough protein. We know how pivotal protein is for weight loss. Most people are not getting in the five to seven servings a day of fruits and vegetables. And we all know how important micronutrients are. So things like multivitamins or a green supplement can really help with that. Um, all these different areas, right? A lot of times, like we need to pick me up, whether we need a little bit of caffeine here or a better pre-workout there, whatever the case is. And that's the thing is if these help your overall adherence and they help fill the gaps you, you need filled, they're pivotal. But the problem is not all supplements are created equal. A lot of times, unfortunately, people go through when the world of supplements, they either go onto Amazon or go into their supplement store and go, what would taste the least shitty and what's cheapest. The problem is you're never going to get the, get the help that you need with, with that way. Generally the best and the cheapest never go hand in hand. And I'm not saying you have to spend like an arm and a leg or your life savings, so to speak on, on this stuff. But I am saying you do get what you pay for. And unfortunately, with how unregulated the supplement market is, uh, there can be some shitty products on the market for a really long time before anyone finds out. Like, I can't tell you how many companies are have their products on shelves at GNC's, vitamin shops, or in Walmarts. And they were, uh, and they end up having a big like lawsuit and getting ripped off the shelves because either the ingredients weren't safe or um, labels were completely inaccurate in line. Like it said, there was, you know, 20 grams of protein in that scoop and there's really like 11 things like that. And that's, that's the really scary part. So this is why you don't want to, you got, you have to be careful how you shop for this stuff. So with first form, I want to make sure you guys and our client base and our community has a place that they can go to that. We know they're going to get taken care of. We know they're getting the best stuff. We know it's not made in someone's basement. Um, and things are third party tested and taken care of and things like that. So if that's your cup of tea and you want to look into supplements or you want to upgrade what you're currently taking, definitely check out first form, but go to the link in the description that does support me and the channel. It means a ton. Um, as well as if you're not quite sure where to get started with supplements and you want to make sure you're taking the right stuff. There is a YouTube link down there um, where I had my supplement video where I kind of give you the rundown on it. But that is it for the uh, sponsor section of the show. Let's get into the interview with Adam and I'll talk to you in just a second. So, so, but the, you threw out a big gauntlet on Instagram the other day saying you're going to beat Sal's interview. <laughs> <laughs> well, I took I love it. Hey, uh, I, you know, I don't know what it is. I don't, maybe I promote it better than him. I don't know what, but, uh, we, we have this like inner competition whenever we end up doing podcasts, uh, that are similar or whatever. 
we talk shit to each other and I'm always asking the people afterwards, like, let me know, let me see how it's doing. If it's performing, if it's not performing <laughs> better than Sal, I'll push it harder. So that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. We we always I love have, it. We have a lot of fun, fun competition, man. It's one of the thing, one of my favorite things about those guys is um, you know, everybody, everybody is competitive, but you you want to see each other win too, you know. So it's not like he's wanting me to fail or vice versa, you know. Yeah. You've always been pretty competitive, right? Because you were like an athlete growing up and stuff, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, I mean, so is he though, even though he's not like an athlete, like he's, he's just competitive in different ways. Right. So, and, and Doug too. I mean, Justin and I have the athletic backgrounds and so we're, we're competitive, uh, you know, via sport, but man, Sal and Sal and Doug have their own level of, of competition too, which is a, a big reason why the, the business has thrived is because you've got the four of us that, that want to win at, you know, at all costs. Right. I love that. Now, do you think from your opinion on that, like, I, I think so many people will go through like high school or college and their competitive stuff is all like sports related, but then they go into the, they're, they're done with that and they have nothing to be competitive about, you know? I mean, if you, if it's something, so part of what actually drew me to training was actually the competitive side of it. Right. So I didn't know that like getting into it, I thought personal training would be a cool a cool avenue to make some side money. That was like initially when I got into it, I was like, oh, this would be cool. I wanted to be like a, a PT, like a physical therapist when I was going to school for Kines. And I thought, oh, okay, personal training would be like a cool side gig. I could make some money off of it. Um, and I fell in love with it. Part of what I fell in love with was how competitive, you know, I was a part of a big box gym, 24 hour fitness for years. And it's very sales driven. And a lot of the way you get paid is, commissions and uh, bonuses and, you know, spiffs for hitting certain milestones. And I actually just, I thrived in that environment because it took me back to, you know, playing sports and how much I loved to play sports. So, you know, I always, if someone told me that they were, you know, ex-athlete and they love sports, I, I think there's tremendous value in finding a career path that has that right and not all like gyms are like that so it's not uh necessarily uh you know a, a direct correlation with every every trainer is gets this competitive side but we were blessed and lucky to be introduced to a, a gym like 24 Hour fitness that was heavily sales motivated and that that aspect of training i really enjoy so i guess you could say i was drawn to the sales aspect of personal training more than i was even training clients early on and th i attribute a lot of the success that i had to that, that side of the business, because I was an okay trainer. Like I was young. I didn't even finish my knees. I had one national certification. Most of the, most of the trainers that worked underneath me, uh, were more experienced, better coaches and better trainers. <laughs> what I was good at was the business side. I Got was it. really, I was really good with helping them build their business. And so I kind of stayed in my lane. Like I, I, I wasn't dumb. I wasn't trying to tell the kid who was, uh, you know, fresh out of his, his master's or PhD and, in, in you know, uh, Kines and tell them that I know more than they do when it comes to the human body or how it works. Instead, I, I taught them about business and how to build their business. And that was what I was really good at later, uh, after years, uh, of, of being a personal trainer, did I start to get pretty good at training? And that was, you know, seven, eight national certifications later and almost a decade under my belt of trial and error. And then I'd say I was a, a better trainer, but early on, I was, I don't think I was a good trainer, even though I was, I was held as if I was a good trainer. You know? 
That's too, that's, that's so cool, man. I didn't realize our, I didn't realize our backgrounds were so similar. Like I was a homeschool kid. I studied kinesiology um, with the intent of becoming a PT. Didn't I stopped that because I found personal training, like the exact same. That's dope as fuck. So, um, I'm curious. One of the things like I didn't, uh, I didn't realize this until like, uh, like your guys assistant sent me over like some of your bio stuff and whatnot. Um, when one of the things that I mentioned in there that, that, uh, that you valued so many lessons that you learned from your clients, was there any that stood out to you? Like, like off the top of your head, like, um, uh, and stuff like that. Well, I tell you one of the, one of the best things that I ever did was train clients of mine that had different, uh, ideologies or, or, or political social views than I did. So. Um, I had a lot, I got a lot from training with men and women that were 40, 50 years old that grew up totally different than me. You know, I grew up in a very, uh, religious conservative type of home. And so, um, I moved to the Bay area and I'm surrounded by, um, you know, a lot of atheists, a lot of people that were very liberal that, um, just had a different way of viewing the world than I did. And, I was like a sponge. I really enjoyed that. And so, and it's some of the ideas, it changed the way I thought about things, but uh, then it also solidified what I believed in other things. And so being open to hearing out people with different ideas. um, And then when you, when you train enough people that have been, you know, most anybody who's paying for a personal trainer is, is probably somewhat successful. It's not cheap to hire a personal trainer. So most of the people that I was had the opportunity to coach were very successful and they all were successful in different ways. Everything from entrepreneurs to highly educated executives, um, to, uh, day traders, to teachers, lawyers, doctors, engineers, like you name it. And so to be able to spend hours and hours with these people that had, uh, all their different ways of acquiring wealth. Um, I found that just unbelievably fascinating and, really all that time, it's like, it's really a journey of finding yourself. I think that, you know, so much of, uh, of, of myself has changed with my own, my own beliefs around money and success and the things that I wanted. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, having the opportunity to be around these great minds and allow that to evolve and and change. And so, I mean, I think that I, for about two or three years, I, I had a client that I think, pretty much shit on every idea that I had as a, as a <laughs> really? entrepreneur. Yeah. And I think early on, like that, that frustrated me, but years later I would, I would really grow to appreciate that, you know, because they weren't just going to tell me, you know, sometimes like your parents or people that are around you or in your circle just will tell you what you want to hear or because they don't want to hear anymore where she was great. Like I would tell her, Oh, I have this idea. And then she would just like totally crap on it. But it, but what it did for me was it it allowed me to look at things through a different lens. You know, I, I would look at things and go like, oh, this is a great idea or a great business I should do. And she taught me to look at things different. Like, I'll never forget one time we had this business that I was a part of. And this was really early, early 2000s. Um, we had came up with uh, this design and it was basically an ergonomical uh, office chair. And this is before any of the, what you see on the internet. Remember, this is 20 something years ago. So okay. this type of shit really didn't exist. And we were kind of on the front end of this probably a little bit early. And this chair, what it was, it was a, a it looked like just like a nice leather office chair, but the shaft of it 
was uh, set and the engineers designed it on this uh, basically ball and axis. So it had about a 15 degree oh. play in all directions. And then the seat was sat at like, you know, like a 15 degree angle. So you weren't completely at 90, right? Or 45, I'd say. So you're like at a 45. So your hip flexors wouldn't get shortened and tightened so much. And then you had this 15 degree of instability. So you had to kind of activate your core while you sat at a desk. And we had like all the research to show how many more calories you would burn per day, how much wow, that would improve your dope. posture. Yeah, no, I mean, I thought it was brilliant, right? So and we were, I was a part of the sales team that was, was, uh, that was trying to push it out and do it. And long story short, uh, it never went anywhere and we didn't have any success from it. Even after all the investors pumped some money into it and try to get it off the ground. Um, and I remember she was one of the people that would, that told me like, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> and I remember being like, how is this? This is a brilliant idea. This is like, people need this. Like there's nothing else out there at that time. And I remember her telling me, like, listen, Adam, like, you know, it's it's one thing to build something that you're you're passionate about that you that you think is a good idea. It's another thing to understand markets and can consumer uh, the way consumers buy things. She goes, you'd be far better off. I remember her telling me this. It was like so, like, not appealing to me. She's like, you know what you could do is make giant oversized silverware or doorknobs. And I'm like, what? <laughs> She's like, yeah. She goes. That's a growing market. There is not enough people that are servicing all the people that are obese, that they have massively, like morbidly obese people that have fingers that they can't type and use things or grab oh, wow. things. And she's like, and that, that market is growing exponentially. And those people are willing to spend that money and have it shipped to their house and do those things. And she's like, you know, that's a better idea than your idea. And I remember like being so frustrated with hearing that. But later, and then and ignoring her is still going through our idea and then it falling on its face and it never working out. Um, and I, it was a really bad time. This is like right after the dot-com bubble. And so we were at kind of a downtime for the market. <coughs> the chair, office chairs are already reasonably expensive, one to $300. <coughs> this was 100 to $300. This chair was going to be more expensive than that. So at a time when the economy was in a recession, here I am trying to you know, go to a place like Deloitte and Touche and say, hey, let's take your 500 chairs and I'm, I'm, they're better for your employees for all these reasons, but then you're going to have to spend so much more money sure. to get these benefits and because no one was really doing it. And But later on, I mean, there's stuff now you can look up like ergonomical, uh, you know, office chairs and stuff and they have like stability balls that are built in. Yeah. <laughs> that all came later on. And there's like ideas that are similar to what we did that ended up working out. Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, I guess that one of the big lessons for me in that one, understanding consumers two also understanding timing in a market, you know, I, I, I'm often asked about what I think about mind pump. If we'd have the same kind of success uh, today, if we actually literally started uh, from the very beginning, like right now. Um, and I don't know, it's hard to say. I think that uh, we got started in the space early enough to allow us to get reps in and get good at what we were doing. And it's, it's, it's getting more competitive now. So, you know, it's hard to say. Doug thinks so. Doug thinks that we have this X factor that it's hard to emulate, you know, and he's like, there's, you know, people can give the same advice as you guys, but the, uh, the chemistry between the three adds an X factor to the show. And so we debate it back and forth. It's a fun debate and exercise. Um, but timing in business is everything, you know, you can have, 
a great idea and in and terrible timing in the uh, the economy and it fall flat on its face. You could have a terrible idea, but a great timing that it hits the market and you can become rich. So yeah, absolutely. Jason and I were actually on a call today talking about that exact thing with some stuff I'm working on. So oh really? Um, yeah. So. Um, one of the things that, well, first of all, that's, that's, that's so cool that you could, that you can have the awareness to do all of that, especially back then. Cause I think, especially in the day and age now with like politics and crazy bullshit going on left and right, like the thought of like going, like, like when you said you, you really enjoyed just learning from all these other people and people shooting down ideas left and right. And it makes you open your mind and all this stuff. Like that's like unheard of right now. Everyone's like, oh, I prefer dark chocolate and you like regular chocolate chocolate. Go fuck yourself. You're dead to me. It's like it's it's the most polar opposite. Yeah, it's unfortunate too, because I, I really think that's a having the attitude of like when I when I when I believe strongly in something, those are the things that I, I look to challenge and question the most, which is really tough to do. If you believe strongly in something, you tend to attach yourself to that ideology and then you dig your heels in or stake your your flag that this is me or this is what I believe. Versus if I feel that way, like if I feel strongly about it, like those are the things I tend to um, investigate the most or seek out the opposing ideas to that. I mean, to me, that's where the most growth happens is in those times when you have a, a belief that you believe so strongly in that it gets uh, upended, you know, and if you go your whole life, uh, you know, just confirming your own bias all the time, like just mm. <laughs> little growth in that. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I figured that out kind of early that that was a hack. So I really do enjoy people that disagree with me, which is, I mean, I, sometimes I come off as a disagreeable type of personality, but that's because I embrace it. It's not because like, um, uh, I like to argue or fight or disagree. <laughs> I, I enjoy, I'm okay with being wrong. Like some people are like that, they, they, their whole world shatters, if their, their ideas get blown up in their face where it's like, I'm totally okay with being like, Oh shit. Like I totally thought the opposite of that. I'm wrong. Like that's, that's amazing. Like now I know. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think this is actually a beautiful segue into like nutrition and training and all of this. Cause I think that's why we see a lot of people struggle, right? Like they're so married to like the old ideology of something at surface levels. Oh, carbs are bad. Or I have to train like Arnold did or whatever the case is. And they're not willing to to be wrong and open their mind to be like, Oh, maybe there is a better way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. No, I, I think that, uh, when it comes to training and nutrition, uh, God, that's, that's so unique and individualized to the person that, um, <laughs> I think, I think not only are you, uh, wrong about what you, what you think is right. Most of the time with it is that even when you're right and something works for you for a period of time, many times that doesn't work for you later on. And so training and nutrition is, is very nuanced. And I mean, it's the reason why we both have jobs, right? If it was so easy, then there wouldn't be a need for trainers and coaches to help guide people through this journey. But there's, there's things that, uh, I think worked for me in the past that, that did serve me well, that no longer serve me anymore. Or there's times where somebody will, will do a diet and because, uh, what they were doing before was so horrible. So any sort of structure at all shows them great success because they had great success there. They believe that that's the way because it's proven to them. That's the way when in reality it was like, well, it's less about that was the way. And it was more about that. What you were doing before was not the way and because you've eliminated some things that were in your diet or your behaviors before, and you've now changed this way, 
uh, that's really what it's so. And that's, you know, we're, we're like, we, we tend to gravitate towards, you know, groups and we're social creatures. And so we want to latch on to these, uh, you know, these diet cults or uh, training cults that, that people promote and share is like, this is the way to train. This is the way to eat. And then, you know, you, you switch to that and you have success and then you believe like, oh, this is it. This is the way to do things because I've seen the success that, that way. And what they don't realize is that it has very little to do actually with the new training program you're following or the new nutrition plan you're following. It had more to do with what you were doing before and what you've cut out or eliminated or changed that matters more than like this one way or philosophy around nutrition and training. And so when I used to coach people, I used to love to take them through a whole myriad of like different training philosophies and diet philosophies so that I could not only teach them all of them, but then also help them unpack like what it is that like we would go through like the vegan diet for a while. And I'd say, well, how do you feel? And then based off how they feel, I would explain to them why that probably is based off of where they came from and what we're doing now. And I'd say, listen, it's not about the diet per se. It's that, you know, we were eating these types of foods. Your body was craving this. You weren't getting enough of it. You're now feeding enough of it. And so it's rewarded you. So now let's, now that you've got that down and you know, that feels well, let's go try something like this, this paleo or Mediterranean diet. And then let's run that for a little bit. And then tell me how you feel. Oh man, this I feel so good. This is well. That's because when we were running that vegan diet, you were pretty low protein. Now we we're hitting your protein <laughs> intake and you're seeing muscle come on and you feel really good. It's not because the Mediterranean diet, it's because that other diet, you were having a hard time hitting your protein intake. And now that we're following this Mediterranean diet, we're doing better with that protein. Okay, now let's take it to the whole extreme on the other side. Let's go go ketogenic or go carnivore and then see how you feel from that. And so, yeah, I would love to to, to take clients through that and then try and teach them you know, what it is they feel, what it's most likely, why, because, because of, and then understanding that it's, you don't have to live in these rigid rules of like, we have to follow this diet. It's like, these are, these are structures that people have created for, for you to have like guidelines to follow, but don't fall in the, the religious trap of you have to follow this one. I, I mean, there's nothing wrong with being mostly vegan, but then you add some fish and chicken into your diet every once in a while. It's like <laughs> we have this this idea that like, oh, you can't call yourself a vegan. You can you, you right. can't be part of the community if you go have fish or chicken every once in a while, and then we're going to ostracize you. It's it's like who cares? It's like I'm gonna. I do like some of the things that I get from the benefits of that, but then I also recognize I struggle with getting protein, so I need to find a way to do that. So maybe there's a balance. Maybe there's somewhere. Same thing goes like, oh, the carnivore diet. I felt so good because my autoimmune was suppressed. I'm like, okay, well, we probably don't have to eliminate all carbohydrates for you to feel that way. Maybe some of the the starchy carbs that you were having, or maybe the processed foods uh, that you were having, those types of carbs were maybe causing some issues in your gut. So maybe we don't have to go full carnivore. Maybe we do a high fat, high protein, but then we introduce things like rice or things like sweet potato or yams, which tend to be okay for most people's systems in their gut. And, and then go like, okay, so you're not really all carnivore. You're like, you eat mostly that way, but then you allow this. Well, what does that mean? Where do I fall? What group am I in? It's like, you know, so that's, that's my spiel on like diet culture, because we, we tend to want to, put ourselves in these boxes. And luckily I have always been, I was this in high school, right? So this is a personality trait of mine that is like, I've always 
hated this idea of like cliques and groups. I was a kid who was popular in school, but I was popular because I had friends in every group. Like, because I didn't identify with just the athletes and jocks. I didn't identify with just the skaters and stoners. I didn't identify just with the nerds. It's like I had good friends in all those groups and I kind of accepted all of them and I found common things with all of them and I interacted with all of them for in, for all different reasons. And so I w- I kind of grew up that way. And then when I got into the real world, realized like, oh my God, we still live in like a giant high school. It's like, <laughs> it just looks different now. Instead of it's skaters and stoners, it's vegans and carnivores, you know what I'm saying? Or yeah. <laughs> crossfitters and power lifters. It's like, it's all the same high school bullshit to me. And it's like, no, nah, yeah. there's, there's, in, there's incredible things that we can take from all these different groups. And why would you ever want to, you know, pigeonhole yourself into just one of them when they all seem to offer all these incredible things that you are missing out on by trying to identify with one ideology, right? That's huge. I love that so much, man. I think I think I don't think you could have said that any better. I mean, I think people are so uh, conditioned that they have to choose a group. Like I'll I, like I'll see someone that that likes a more plant based lifestyle, but but like you said, they're like, but I I really like a little bit of chicken, eggs, and fish. I just I eat mostly vegan vegan style foods. But then it's like, now I have to, to, to almost explain my reason why it's like, bro, just eat how you like to eat. That gives you the results. That makes you feel good. Like you don't have to pick a camp. I think that's such a, a big, a big thing. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this. And this, this, this is one of the things that I I really wanted to hear your perspective on is for you, where's the balance, especially like you're a father, you have like a life outside of fitness and things like that. Where's the balance for when it comes with people where it's what I would say is what's optimal and what's, what's practical. Cause I feel like so many people get caught up in the, the O word It's like, well, the optimal way is this magical split or this sp- specific diet or this style of eating. But, but when it comes to life, kids work overtime school, it's just not as practical. So for you, where's that line, especially when teaching this to others, like the line of what's optimal, but what's also practical. So the, in my opinion, the most optimal place that we can get is intuitive training, intuitive dieting. Mm. So in a place in your life where you ain't got to track sets and reps, you ain't going to necessarily follow a maps program. You don't have to follow a diet or track your food all the time. And when you have reached that place, I think you're in the most balanced place you can be with nutrition and exercise. And that doesn't mean there's not times in my life or in your life where you may be hyper-focused. I mean, I say that, and then I was also the guy who got on stage and competed with the best of the best bodies. Obviously, when I made that a goal, like, hey, I'm going to get on stage and compete against the best bodies, I'm not going to intuitive eat and intuitive train. <laughs> it's a, at that point, it's a sport, and I'm going to use every tool, every resource to give me the competitive edge to look better than the next guy. But in life, when you talk about fatherhood and work and school and friends and family and all these other things that encompass health and balance, yeah, the place to be is to be able to intuitively eat and intuitively train. Now, what is what does that look like and how do we get there is probably the deeper question is that – and it's like school or anything else. Like if you've never tracked and you've never done those things, well, that's the first step. Like if you – because – Because then you're just being naive to think that like, oh, yeah, I just intuitively and intuitively train and I give my body the perfect balance of what it needs. It's like, get out of here with that. Like you, (laughs) if you've you've never tracked your macros or counted your calories, 
then how can you possibly tell me when you know you've had a good day of eating for your body and when you've had a bad day, other than maybe your ability to say like you feel good energy-wise or sleep-wise, like maybe, and there's a lot of other things that could be connected to. So I think the first part is educating yourself on what what uh, eating well for you looks like. And that is, and there is no like blueprint for that because everybody's going to be different. Like you're like, we, we, we just talked about all the different diets, right? Different clients, different people are going to feel and respond better to certain, uh, macro ratios, calorie, uh, totals. And so honing in on uh, where that is for you in relation to the type of training and goals that you have, physical goals that you have. And then once you, cause, and here's why this, why you have to track and figure all that out and get to that place where you understand that really well is because in order to really intuitively do this, you have to be able to know how to adjust when life changes and throws a curveball. So for example, um, you know, the last year, well, let's just say the last month for me, last month for me, um, I moved, I got really sick. And then Katrina and Max, I had like three weeks of like just chaos around the house. Like where everything, everything but my training and diet was a major priority. And so I know that my activity level, my training volume all suffered during those three weeks. And so I intuitively start to shift my diet. Now I don't get out there and start weighing and go, oh God, I'm not exercising. So now I got to wait. I don't have time for that. I, I'm busy with all those other things. But I, I, I know I'm conscious of the, the lack of exercise and training I'm doing, the lack of movement that I'm doing, that I need to change what I would be, how I would be eating when I would be training four or five days a week and moving a lot more and not sedentary at home because my family's sick or sitting in a car or sitting on the podcast. And so, and I, I, I couldn't do that if I hadn't first tracked diligently for an extended period of time to really learn what a high calorie day is, what a low calorie day is, what, what, what my body needs when I'm training like hard, what my body needs when I'm just kind of training to be active and, and physical, but not be pushing intensity. Like, so there's a lot of, uh, of that, that goes into getting to the place where we intuitively eat intuitively train. And I think that's years. I don't think that's a couple months of doing that. I think that's years of, of practicing and tracking and paying attention to these things. So then you can get to a place where you are intuitively eating and intuitively training. And when you're there, I think that this is the healthiest place to be for somebody where, because the, the other side of tracking and measuring all those things is like orthorexia and obsession. And, and, and we tend to glorify these people on like social media platforms on Instagram and stuff like that. They're these amazing bodies that we all look up to and aspire to look like, but we do, what we don't know um, is that a lot of those people, if not all of those people, are out of balance. Uh, you talked about, and that was how you led into this question: was how do I have this? Those people aren't balanced at all. They what they are is they never miss a workout. They never not weigh their food, and like they obsess about those things so much because they either one identify with being this super rip fit person so much, or they have massive insecurities and this is their way of coping with that. But I wouldn't consider that a healthy place to be. It sure it looks cool on social, on Instagram, but when you talk about longevity, when you talk about balance, when you talk about being a good father, being a good husband, 
uh, being a good brother, sister, like good business partner. There's so many other aspects of the health sphere, in my opinion, that you you probably are not going to be crushing that one to like that level while simultaneously having those all in balance and check. Something's always got to give. And if you're if you're so anal about your diet and training that you never miss a workout, you never, you never not weigh a food. You, you know, if you're, if you're light, then, then something else is probably getting missed every once in a while. You know, whether that is quality time with your wife or quality time with your son or that extra hour you could have put into building your business or that time you should have called your mom. Like, I mean, the list goes on and on of other things that make us healthy, that make us balanced. And so if you are so myopically focused on this, this way I look, then it takes from those things too. And so, you know, keeping balance for me is getting to a place where I can intuitively eat and intuitively train. And what comes with that also, aside from the education and tracking part is also having worked through our insecurities. Mm, That's so good. Most all of us that got the, the, when we, the very first time you walked down the gym and you, you got your gym membership on day one, if you can put yourself back in, in those shoes on that day and think about what was it that drove me to go to the gym, that that drove me to put my credit card down and, and start this membership, 99% of the people that will that can recall that that moment will be able to attach it to some sort of an insecurity. Oh, I, you know, I was so fat and I just I woke up one day or I saw myself in the mirror or my wife made a comment to me or my friend jabbed at me or I get made fun of all the time because I look a certain way or the doctor told me I need to. And so most of us that that go into exercise, go into it from a, a, a bad place, not a, not a place that we want to say, no, that place might have been enough to get you to take action, which I think there's there's some some positive to that, right? Like if you, if it didn't if you didn't get made fun of enough, if your wife didn't say something, if you didn't see that reflection, if if that didn't happen, maybe you would have never taken action. So there, I'm not saying that that's there's there's no value in that whatsoever. So that got got you there to start moving in the right direction. But at one place, one point, you want to move away from that because here's the deal: like if you call yourself fat or you, I, you know, or you're the skinny kid or you're insecure about your, your calves or your legs, or you have, you have these insecurities about your body. You don't like the way your chest or your shoulders look or your butt looks like whatever it is. Even when you, when you fix that, you build it, you train that, that you're still that insecure boy. Like it's, it, it, and, and anybody who's ever trained for an insecurity like that, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how, doesn't matter how buff you get or how much ass you build or how much fat you lose, you have still identified as the fat kid, as the skinny kid, as the flat butt girl, as the no chest guy, as the small calf dude. You've identified as that person for so long that even all the exercise and training you did to build or fix those things still doesn't fix the identity the 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 body image issue that you have that you started with to get there and you've got to move away from that and if you don't move away from that you'll you'll consistently revert to things that are not good or healthy for the body in pursuit of this impossible image to ever live up to and so part of the process of educating yourself around macros 
educating yourself around exercise programming, and then also working on the insecurity that made you take that first step of getting into the gym. That to me is the healthiest, most balanced place that you can be. And I'll tell you, like the insecurity one was last for me. So like macros figured that out a long time ago, exercise programming figured that out a long time ago, still got that deep rooted insecurities. And so for me, like, because mine were physical, I was the skinny kid who got teased for being skinny for forever. I've got the terrible calves for how big of a dude that I am. Like, so those are, those have been like these, these big insecurities my whole life. So I, I would intentionally challenge myself. I remember I, I went, I'll never forget the, when I first started trying to uh, address this and this was years ago. Um, and I was still kind of insecure about my calves. It was like, I committed, like I was going to go to the gym in shorts every single day. I didn't care how cold it was or not. It's like, I need to face this insecurity and move past it. And part of what was crazy was that whole time, nobody ever said anything about my kids. Don't give a fuck. Say, <laughs> nobody gave a fuck about it, whether they were small or not. And more than likely, it was just in my own head because I trained the shit out of them. They came up, they came a long ways during that time. But what what I think helped me through that process was facing that insecurity, putting it on the front stage. Like I'm, that's a, I'm coming in with shorts. I don't care if it's 30 degrees outside. I'm wearing shorts all year long, and I'm gonna just I'm going to be staring at my insecurity until I get comfortable with it and recognize that nobody else gives a fuck. Why should I give a fuck and move past that? So I think that, and that's I'm sharing my example. Sure, I love of, that of, of an insecurity that I had to work through. So we all have that though. Mm-hmm. And so you got to face that. You got to face that. You got to move past that if you're going to move to this, you know, enlightened version of you of of exercise and training. Otherwise, you've always got this deep rooted insecurity that is is what's driving your behaviors around exercise and health. And unfortunately, even if it's what motivated you and got you moving in the right direction, it's not an an optimal way to be long term. Yeah, that's so good, man. And I and, and it's not all going to happen in a 12-week program. <laughs> no, no. Years, years normally, man. Long time. I think it's it's interesting. And it, I, I hate it. Like, cause I'll, I'll get questions and stuff like this about like it, like the, the more mindful or intuitive, just knowing. And I think it's glorified on social where it's like, your body should just know. I'm like, no, Mrs. Jones binge eats every other day and knows exactly what to do, but doesn't do it. Uh, and has a horrible relationship with her food and herself t- saying, you, you just know doesn't, doesn't help that, you know? No, no. And, and honestly, most, uh, I mean, this was really brought to my attention when I got into competing, when I got into competing, I really had this idea that I was getting the opportunity to meet some of the brightest minds in the space. I, I, I assumed that if these were the, the most aesthetic physiques in the country and in the world, and they're the 1% of the one percenters at this elite level, like, man, their level of nutrition knowledge and training knowledge, it's going to be. So I was like, I really went into it thinking this way. Yeah. I, I got in there and I went, oh my God, like it's the opposite of that. I saw more eating disorders, more dysfunction, more insecurities in that small population of people than I did in my entire career training morbidly obese and obese and regular ass people there was more in that 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 specific group than there was in all the collection of people that I trained that was so fascinating to me and what it really highlighted for me is that man 
looking a certain way is, is, is not even the big piece. You know, this, this is just, it's such a small piece of the, the whole puzzle when it comes to living a very healthy, fit and balanced life. And unfortunately, these are the people that we're aspiring to be like, or we're looking up to on the cover of magazines and we're listening to their advice on how to train or eat, or to your point about the lady who should just know. I mean, the reason why that shit advice is because they don't know any better. <laughs> they haven't even worked with their own shit. They're still yeah. if, sure. They figured out how to weigh food and discipline themselves and beat themselves up, but they're still motivated and deeply, deeply insecure about their, their own shit. And so we, and then we all of a sudden propped them up on some pedestal, like they should be in some position to coach Susie, who's struggling with weight her whole life. Like it, that, that person has no business doing that just because they figured out one piece of the puzzle of like how to, how to weigh food and how to show up to the gym. It's like, that's only a fraction of this whole, this whole process. And yet we're, we're, we're putting these people on these pedestals and allowing them to be the voice um, of reason or authority uh, in the space, which is what gave us the, like, this was the motivation behind mind pump on day one was like, we saw the landscape. We saw the people that everybody was paying attention to that was garnering all the attention in the space. And we were like, man, this, this is not the stuff. This isn't, this isn't what's going to really help most people. In fact, most of them were parroting the same shit, talking to right. each other attracting other fitness professionals. And it was like a, it was a, it was a dick measuring contest on mm -hmm. who knew more science or who knew more about nutrition. And it was just like these guys going back and forth, capping on each other. Meanwhile, we're losing the majority. The majority of the people don't even care about all that nuance bullshit at all. And yet the whole fitness space, in my opinion, is, a, is going after other fitness people. And that's, they're so concerned about what those people think about what they have to say while meanwhile losing the majority in, in the conversation because they're so, they're so insecure about how their peers are going to view them that they're regurgitating this bullshit that these, the, the Susie doesn't care about. And so we, we saw that and we were like, Oh my God, like if we just, if we can just get out there and, and get enough attention, we know the information that we're providing is going to help the majority. And it's going to be better advice and information than the majority. So if we can just find a way to get a little bit of attraction, we knew that we would ride the wave with the growth of podcasting, with the growth of social media. Because when we looked at the landscape, we really kind of looked at all the – and that's not to say there wasn't anybody that has put in good information. But when I looked at the the, the top 10% of, of you know content that was being created it wasn't created by the the best content creators it was the people that were entertaining or looked a certain way and so we all were like man like we know the advice we have to give is significantly better than theirs so if we can just attract a sliver of their audience we've got a huge business right there in itself and so that was what gave all of us the the belief that even though we weren't media heads and podcast people that we would figure this thing out and eventually uh, be as big or bigger than we are. I, I get asked all the time if I thought that we would be uh, this big. And I said, well, no, I, I expect us to be bigger. Um, and, and we I have, I love that answer <laughs> since day one. That's real talk. I never, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, I, and I think too, to have massive success, you have to be a little delirious like that. You know, there's a little bit of hundred percent probably 
probably narcissism <laughs> in that that we believe that we were that good. So I mean, fuck, if we don't believe it, who else is, right? So we yep. have to believe it, we have to believe it first before anybody else does. So Agreed. Yeah, we, we all we all believed on day one that it would be uh, every bit this big or bigger. So that's incredible, dude. I love it. Um, you know, I, I know uh, we've brought up fatherhood and your son a few times here. And most of the people who listen to the podcast in, in my community um, have kids and stuff like that. And one thing I'm curious your thoughts on, because we're like deep in this talking about this stuff with all of it. Um, do you frame things differently when talking to your, I can't, I'm not sure. I can't remember how old your son is, but, um, like for example, a lot of the people that we help in our client base and our, our base of, of community people, um, like kids are calling them out. Like mommy, you say carbs are bad. Does that mean I shouldn't have carbs or mommy? Why won't you have birthday cake with me? Where the little kids are catching mom and dad's fucked up relationship with food or mom and dad's, um, obsession with exercise or a lot of this disordered behavior. Um, since having your son, is there things that you, that, that you go about fatherhood differently? So he has a great relationship with food and with exercise and he sees what you're doing versus that kind of that line of like not being obsessive and not having disordered habits. What? 100%, 100%. First of all, since my son's been born, he's, I've never weighed a food. So he's never even seen daddy, uh, weigh or track when I was competing, that was all pre my son. And I probably wouldn't want him to see uh, that extreme level. Um, sure. So his, his, I mean, he's only, he's three going on four. So obviously the, the conversation isn't uh, at a level yet where we're discussing what a carb, a fat or a protein is, but what I have definitely thought a lot, a lot about, and, and I'm very aware of is parents tend to worry so much on what to say or communicate to your children. The most powerful thing that we can do as parents is to show our children. And so my way of teaching my son about a good relationship with food is through him just seeing the way his his mom and his dad eat. We don't eat fast food, we don't eat junk food, we we eat whole natural foods, we cook our dinners every night. He eats just a smaller portion of what we're eating. You know, sometimes he eats all of it. Sometimes he doesn't. I don't care. You know, I'm not worried about any of that. Some of that. My son, though, has not been introduced to cookies, not been introduced to ice cream, not been introduced to cake, and he's going on four years old. So, and it's not like I had to deprive him where it's like a big battle. It's like, it's crazy how, like, how many adults, they love to give kids these things early or be one of the first ones to give it to them so they can see the reaction like oh my god because it lights these kids up the first time you give them a candy a sweet you know it's so powerful that you can like see their face change and there's videos all over tiktok and oh, yeah. <laughs> showing it and people laughing about it and stuff like that but not my kid no way it's like and and to me that and and people are like so what is he never going to have a cookie or ice cream or a cake? No, absolutely he will. But you know what's awesome is that he's being shown a certain way of eating and behaviors around food by his mom and dad of what normal looks like. And by the time he, I don't know, maybe when this this coming year four five maybe it's five when he really gets his we we first go have some donuts together or a cake or like that. What's awesome about that is that I'm going to wait until he can communicate with me until he can ask me daddy, can I have this? Or do I want like, he's not even at that place right now where he's formulating that and where he's never even around that environment to even feel like it. And so, and because we've been so consistent with that, when he goes places like birthday parties, 
I'll let him taste and try stuff like that. I won't be like, no, you can't have that son. It's like, it's a birthday party once a year. He's going to be around them. He's his palate is already changed so much around eating whole foods that if he has like some, a bite of someone's cake, like he he'll leave half of it. Like he, he's like, was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he ate like we were at a birthday party not that long ago and, you know, let him have half of one of these cupcakes and he didn't want to finish it. He doesn't, he doesn't care for it because it's, it's not around. We don't use it as a bribing tool. Like a lot of parents use candy and things like that as a, as a way to keep their kids to behave. We've never used it like that. So um, yeah, you know, and I thought all about that before he came, like this was a conversation that my wife and I had, like, how, how do we want to teach him around nutrition? I, by no means do I want my son to be obsessive about proteins, carbs, and fats, or what's a lot of calories. Like he's not even at an age where that should be a discussion right now. Um, he, he just, he eats how we eat and that's, what's normal to him. And so he, I haven't had to have any of these tough conversations. And so it really starts with the parents. It's it's so crazy that that this even becomes like this hard topic because really what it is now and and I do feel for these parents right there's parents that recognize they did it wrong early on they now want to make a change in their life their kids are seven eight nine years old and 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 they're just now starting their fitness journey and then they're trying to figure it out so I I have total compassion and empathy for trying to navigate those waters, right? You and do you introduced them to all that shit early on. They've now been adjusted to it. So that's a that's a different, that's a different conversation than somebody who is potentially getting ready to have a child. You're aware of good foods and what 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 good eating and taking care of yourself looks like. You've got a clean slate. It really comes down to you as a parent showing the way more than talking about what they should or shouldn't be doing. Like that's that's your job at that point. Uh, un, unpacking or undoing uh, behaviors that you've done for a really long time uh, with your kids. That's the most difficult. And then, and my recommendation to a parent like that is to just eliminate it from the house. And they get, then again, lead by example. Yeah. If you got kids that don't have jobs and they're seven, eight, nine years old, they live in your house and you don't have bags of chips, you don't have, you know, pints of ice cream, you don't have sodas, you don't have, you don't have all that shit in your house then what there is to eat, there is to eat. And if mom and dad make good choices to eat whole foods all the time and they're hungry, they sit down and eat with mom and dad. If they don't feel like eating that, then they don't eat. And they can, and then right. they can eat when they're <laughs> hungry. And when they're hungry, they can eat what we have at the house to offer. And then one day when they get a job, they can choose to eat ice cream if they want for their, for their food. So, I mean, that's how I would handle that if I had already kind of created a monster. It's like, okay, again, I still have to lead by example, right? It's, I mean, I like to talk to people like, um, because I come from a, a religious background and I, and I seen, I seen the hypocrisy in the church. I seen how there's no, nothing's, I don't think anything more annoying than like a Bible thumper. And if you want to, to bring someone to your religion, or you want to convert somebody to your religion or your beliefs, the most powerful way to do it is not by telling them about it. It's by showing them through your behaviors and actions in, the, in, in life until they go, what is it about you, Adam? There's just something about you that like, you're just so happy and this, and then it opens the door for you to go like, well, you know, I believe in this and this has served me so well. And so if you ever want to know about it, you, you know, that is the way to bring someone. And the same thing goes with, with, nutrition with your children. Like if you've already 
done the seven, eight years of bad, bad behaviors. You're now trying to change that. Don't all of a sudden become the, the parents who found, found religion midlife. And then they, right. then they start stuffing it down their kid's throat because then the kid ends up revolting. And those kids end up with just as much bad behaviors and bad relationship around food when they get older, because they had these parents that were one way, then they went to the other extreme. And then that turns the kid off. Instead, understand you made bad decisions as a parent for seven, eight, nine years. You're now making good decisions. You're going to have some challenge and struggle because you allowed your kids to do that for seven, eight years. Now, the first thing you do is you don't have it in your house. So that's the first way you eliminate. The next thing you do is you show them through your actions. You don't tell them. You don't force them. You're, they're going to go out. on. There's nine years old. They're going to be at a friend's house. They're going to have an ice cream. Everyone's like, who cares? You control what you can control in your environment. You walk the walk as a parent and allow them to see see their dad fitter, see their dad be able to do more activity than he was able to do before, see their dad walk around with more confidence, see their dad with more energy, see their dad with a different glow. And let them see that within you. And then trust me, just like the, the person who sees that amazing person who's always smiling and happy, your kids well, there'll be an opportunity when they say, dad, you know, you're so consistent with working out and why do you do that? Or dad, how do you make your muscles look like? They're going to ask <laughs> questions. And when they ask those questions, then you now have that opportunity to share with them how powerful feeding your body the right way is and exercising the right way and what it can do for your life to learn how to do that. And you know what? This is what your dad's here for. I'll, I'll help you and I'll teach you if you want to know. That's the way to indoctrinate your children into living a healthier, better life around food and exercise, not becoming a Bible thumper because you found God all of a sudden you know, <laughs> in your life. Now you're going to shove the religion down your kid's throat because you think that's what's best for them. No, you already fucked up for seven, eight years. Own your shit. Okay. You should have done better out the gates as a parent. That's okay. You learned, you made a mistake. Parents make mistakes all the time. Now, the way you do it is to show them through the way you move through life and allow them to ask you things. And then you can teach and share. That is how you teach your kids how to eat better and how to exercise more regularly. Man, that was so good. That was, that was, that was, that was awesome. Like, like, I think it goes back to, I can't remember who said it first, but, um, parenting's caught, not taught. You know what I mean? Like that, like growing up, like that's how it was. Like, I didn't care what mom and dad said. It was, well, what are mom and dad doing? And that's all, that's all we unconsciously emulate, you know? What, what, and you know what? That's like, that's like leadership one-on-one too. Like you talk about leading a company and a business and having people underneath you. Like one of the best things to do is just to show, to show people, let them see, let them see the way you live your life, the way you do things. And if, and if, if you do a good enough job, people will ask questions. And if people aren't asking questions, then reflect on yourself. Don't look outwardly on, oh, I'm going to push it on them. It's like, if they ain't asking me questions, then, I, then I'm not living it enough to, to, to show like how powerful and how, if you really, this is, this is how I always felt like religion. It's like, if you're, if you're God, your religion, if your thing is so good, then why you got to tell me about it? I should see, yeah. <laughs> I should see yeah. it in your life. Like if it's so good, it's so life-changing, it's so important, it's so everything. It's like, okay, if it is, then you should exude that. You sh I should see you and go, what do you got that I don't have? And I want some of that. And I'm going to ask you. And if I don't, that's a reflection on yourself that you ain't walking the walk. 
And the same thing goes on the nutrition and exercise thing. It's like, can't be a parent and you, you're a weekend warrior training every once in a while, or you eat good once in a while, and then you're going to push, push it on your kids. They see what you're doing. They see you coming home with the jack in the box, you know, two nights out of the week. And they see that you have two good weeks of training and then you fuck it off for a month. Like, and then you're going to, then you're going to guilt them for making an ice cream choice or do, I mean, come on, like walk the walk first and do it consistently for a while and, and discipline yourself as the parent, as the adult to get them attracted and get them curious about what it is that dad does or what's so different about dad let them and, and, and until you do that, you got to continue to work on yourself and then you'll attract that. I love that, man. Dude, th- this has been so good. Uh, final question. What are you most excited about right now? And like, what are some stuff you're working on? Like, like, like personally or the business or whatever, like what, what are you fired up about now and that you're working on? Um, so I, I like a lot of the stuff that we do in real estate. So that tends to be my favorite, my favorite conversation is, is around, is around the business and, you know, uh, like I'm really, I'm really proud of what we've done. Like we've had the opportunity now to have met a lot. I, mean, I think we've done like, I don't know, 500 or 600 interviews of all kinds of very brilliant, successful people in and out of our space. And every time I'm all, and I'm always intrigued by how they make money and how they, what kind of business they've built. And I tell you what, man, I, uh, I've I've yet to find somebody who I would trade places with. I think that we have done a really cool job on the way we've built this business, and we kind of had this idea early on. We so we 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 thought of this, we decided it early, and we've and we've done a good job of executing. We continue to execute on this, and that was as the business continued to scale and grow, that we continue to scale ourselves out of the business, and that's really unique to social media uh type businesses uh most and i'm sure you've learned this in nci like that it's you're it's you are so powerful to your brand like you're your brand and everybody builds everything around themselves and like their name and they're they're the image on their social media they're they're they're, they're the image of everything and uh, yeah initially we did that right we had to kind of grow our own social media as we had to build up the podcast but behind the scenes, we were always building this robust machine that you could remove one of us or potentially all of us, and it would still keep chugging along and still keep growing and building. And we've really achieved that. So it, it, that excites me. And it excites me that we continue to do this as we continue to build more things and do more things within the business. And at the same time, simultaneously remove ourselves from it. Like the going joke right now at the studio is that, you know, we're fine. We're tr- I'm looking for my replacement, you know, who's going to replace me on the show. And not because I really legitimately want to, but I would be okay with that. Like I, I, I don't need to be the face or one of the hosts on the show. I really enjoy the stuff behind the scenes more than I even enjoy talking on the podcast. I know that I, I, I'm a, a personality or character within the show that I know that there's, I'm sure there's people that like that and that would maybe miss me if I went, but I, we've done a good job that I believe, I really believe we could bring somebody else into the, into that role and the business would still keep operating. So I get excited about the real estate stuff, the investments in the companies that we're doing, the stock moves that we're, we're that we're working on, the different arms and partnerships that we're doing with the business. And so there's a lot of that. There's a ton of that that's going on that, uh, that pulls me in all different directions. It keeps me super busy and 
Uh, it excites me. It, uh, and it's, it's hard. It's not easy. It's like, uh, there's all, uh, I never feel like I'm a hundred percent succeeding in any of them. They're all, there's always, <laughs> something to be done. there's always a fire to be putting out, but I thrive in that environment. I like, I like being challenged that way. I like that. I mean, I'll never forget the, this, uh, this conversation I had with my wife. This was like, I want to say year three or four, uh, into the podcast, maybe four year four or so in the podcast. And I'm driving home from work one day. I've got her on speakerphone in my truck by myself and I'm venting to her. I'm pissed off. At, I think, I think I'm mad at Sal or Doug or something <laughs> and I'm venting. I'm, I'm frustrated with them, you know, about something and this and that. And then I'm ranting about all the other things that I'm frustrated with. And I'm just like, it was like a day where I was really irritated and frustrated. And so I'm like rambling on for like five minutes, you know, before I catch my breath. And then she's like silent on the other side of the line. And I'm like, hello? <laughs> and she's like, are you done? And I said, yeah, yeah, I'm done. What does that mean? <laughs> and then she's quiet again. And I'm like, what? She's like, would you have it any other way? Oh, shit. <laughs> and, I, and I had to like really think about that. Wow. And, and, I, and I said to her, I said, well, no, you're right. Like. If it was easy, it would be no fun. I mean, yeah. if, if there wasn't frustrating days and it wasn't hard, like the reward, the things that I'm excited about is that it isn't easy, that it's challenging, that I'm constantly being challenged, that I'm constantly being frustrated. It's like that is the things that I enjoy most. And if it was all laid out and easy and every time I tried something, it worked out and everybody did exactly what I told them to do, like it wouldn't be fun. That's the, this is the, the fun part is it's hard and I get frustrated and it was such a, a powerful moment for me in the business because I remember feeling that way. And I know inside emotionally, when I was saying all that stuff that I was frustrated and angry and I, and I didn't want that to be happening. But then when she really challenged me to think about that and ask myself, would I want it any different? And would I want all those things solved and fixed? I thought, ah, you're right. Like then I'd have nothing to to be working right. towards what we're doing, right? <laughs> all that stuff yeah. is not a challenge. You know, it's like, man, that's such a such a great point. So I uh, you know, I I'm 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 excited about all that stuff. Like is as as it scales and grows, it doesn't get easier. Um, I think I think some people think that or believe that. The bigger this thing it gets, uh, the more challenging it is, uh, the more employees that we have, like all those things. In fact, literally yesterday I was sitting with my staff, a vulnerable moment for me. I was apologizing. Uh, to my team and just saying that, you know, I, um, as the, as the CEO, I get really um, um, overwhelmed with all the different moving parts and I value you guys so much. And it doesn't matter that I say that I have to show that. Um, and I haven't been showing that enough. And, you know, this is me this year committing to you that I'm going to get more FaceTime. I'm going to spend more time with you because what you guys do for this business is so incredibly valuable and I don't want you ever to feel that way. And I, I don't want to just blow smoke up your ass and tell you, like I want to show you by adding value to your life. And so my commitment this year is to every day, I'm going to spend more time with all of you in here. And so, you know, that's something I'm excited. I'm excited about following through that commitment. So. 
I love that, man. That's incredible. Where uh, where can people find you? That the, if, if for some reason they somehow know me but don't know you, if that's even a thing. Yeah. But like, where can people find you at? Uh, Mind Pump. Anywhere. Uh, I mean, you could Google us now, right? You can find us yeah. anywhere. Mind Pump. Uh, <laughs> but the thing I always tell people that are finding us is like, you know, but take advantage of all the free stuff. I mean, we've uh, we've created so much free content. Big focus this year too is adding more free. We have a lot of good free content coming out this year that we have. Um, so I'm super excited about that too. So yeah, take advantage of all that. Mindpumpfree.com. That's all of our, 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 our free white papers that we've created. We've got three YouTube channels that has everything from exercises to the show, to short clips of information that you can share with clients and friends. So take care, uh, take advantage of all the YouTube channels. You can find us on all, uh, platforms, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, you name it. So, uh, take advantage of all the free content first, uh, before you, buy anything from us. I love that. Dude, thank This has been so good. I really, 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 wow, words are hard. Really, really appreciate you taking the time and talking with me. This has been great. Thanks, Jared. I appreciate it. And we are back. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of the show. It means a ton. A few things before you leave, because I have a lot of stuff for you. Um, number one is absolutely uh, take advantage of the free content that we have. Um, my thing is I never want to you know, to come across this and be like a big pitch fest or anything like that. And I want you to utilize and take advantage of our free content, just like Adam talked about, like utilize their free content. I want you to utilize my free content. Um, one of my goals has always been, I want my free content to be better than their paid content. Not like mind pump. I'm talking about like other, other coaches specifically. Like I want my paid content to be better than other people's free content. Um, and and that's the thing is I have all that for you in the description. If you have not gone through my fat loss checklist free course, my, it's a five day email mini course that'll change your life. Uh, and I've recently updated it and completely overhauled all the videos and it, it'll change your life quite literally. Um, I get emails almost every day about, about it from people, how happy they are with it. And it's completely for free. So it's called the fat loss checklist. Go to hit that in the link below. Um, definitely. I'm trying to just go through in my head. Um, cause like with stuff like this, I don't have notes in front of me or anything. Um, definitely go check out our free group. So I think everyone needs to have a community around them because going through this game of transformation, uh, unfortunately, most people don't have the support they need. Um, I mean, hell, it's half the reason people get into coaching is just so they have a level of support and accountability. But um, we're not talking about coaching yet. We're talking about you just getting support that you need. Because at the end of the day, most people struggle with, and I, like this could, I don't know, maybe this is you, maybe it's not, that you, you're, you know, your, your, your partner doesn't get it. Like your husband, wife, they don't get it. Um, your friends just kind of poke fun at you and like, Oh, they're like, Oh, Janet's on her diet kick again, or whatever the case is. Um, or you, you, you're, you know, you feel just alone on this journey. It's, it's terrible. And we become unconsciously like those we associate with. So it's no wonder you struggle and fall off. So I want you to have a home base that's completely free where you can go to, to get loved on, to get the support, to get the help that you need to push you in the right direction. So I have that for you. It's a group called fat loss simplified. It's, it's hosted on Facebook because everyone hasn't you're on Facebook anyway. So, um, definitely go check that out. Just, just, uh, I'll leave the link in the description. Just add yourself. I'll make sure you get accepted. Um, cause I want to help you. And that's where I can do a little bit more than just like this and help you completely for free. So you want to go join that. Um, if you're not following the other channels like TikTok and Instagram, um, on the YouTube account, you'll want to do that. All those links are below because all the podcast interviews are on YouTube. Like obviously the majority of our listeners listen just to audio like iTunes or Spotify or whatever, but uh, all these episodes are, are full length on the YouTube and are on our YouTube account. And, um, and I know you'll get a lot out of it if you prefer that. Um, and if you'd like to see your actual, the actual interviews between like me and my guests, like Adam or whatever. Um, what else? I feel like I'm missing something. Um, also, um, 
if it is one, if you are in one of those situations where you feel like you do need some extra help and you're like, man, I would, I, I think I do need a little bit higher level of accountability and certainty and support from like someone in the trenches with me, coaching me and walking me through this stuff. Um, I do have a special link for that. I know this is not the majority, but if you go to the link below and you want to apply for coaching with us, um, we only take on a certain amount of people every month. Um, we don't accept anyone into the program just because they have a credit card. You do have to apply. Um, you do have to schedule a call with my team. That way we can make sure this is even a good fit or not. And then make sure you understand how the program works and all that kind of stuff. So I do have a special spot in my heart, like I say, every time for my podcast listeners. So I have a special link below in the description. That way it takes you to the front of the line. Um, if we do have a wait list that month, um, depending on when you're listening to this, but then also if you do get accepted into coaching, I'm giving you about $4,000 worth of free stuff just because you're coming from the podcast and it means a lot to me. So uh, I think that's it. I think that's all the announcements. Otherwise, I appreciate the fuck out of you. Thank you so much for being here. Stay tuned for next week's video. Be sure and subscribe to the channel if you are not already, whether it be the YouTube, whether it be the, the show, whatever you're listening to it on, because you don't want to miss out some of the stuff that I have coming up. It's going to be huge. Um, some of the guests that I have coming on, you're going to flip shit. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, otherwise, I love you and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.